Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. Hey, Chloe. Hi, Raph. How groovy is that intro? I feel like I haven't listened to our intro for a while. I'm like sitting here just like, yeah, that is a cool intro. I love that you played that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how's it going today anyway? I'm fantastic. I'm really, 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 really good. Um, I'm really excited to teach my first Wunder chair class today. So it's the first time I've done a full uh, I mean, I've taught on the chair quite a few times, but it was more in a studio setting, you know, where it's like right. where the client, sporadically, it as, it's like it's yeah. a station. It's, yeah, one, it's part of like, the, one part of the repertoire. Yeah, it's one part of the repertoire and people kind of move through that station, whereas today it's a full 50-minute beginning to end shebang. All, all so. wonder chair all the time. All wonder all the time. We're doing handstand. We're doing all the fun stuff. So um, that was really fun. I was programming that. You can imagine me upside down at like 10 p.m. last night. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm like, have I got something non-slip under the chair? Yes, good. Here we go. <laughs> so it was really good. So how are you, Ralph? Yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I enjoy, always enjoy our conversations. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this too. So um, I, today's conversation is, I think, a really interesting one and one that our Pilates and movement listeners will be uh, very, very interested in. And it's um, in, in relation to, well, what is the best exercise for low back pain? And TLDR, Pilates. Yeah, that might be the first time we've done a TLDR that, oh, there maybe there was one other one, I reckon, where you were like, you surprised me with what the answer was. <laughs> I remember you being like, say, well, I think it was the longer, leaner muscles. I yeah, remember yeah. that one. You kind of um, so, you right. challenged my bias a bit, didn't you? <laughs> so, all right. Well, isn't this awesome? Pilates not only gives you longer, leaner muscles, but it <laughs> also is the best form of exercise for low back pain. <laughs> But, okay, right. Am I getting some T-shirts printed? Am yeah. I getting some? Maybe you know? Pilates really is magic. Well, you know what? I when you made that little magical sound, then Raf, yeah. I also had this vision of Joe Pilates um, up there in in Valhalla, as um, Heath would say. Heath's always like when I meet when I meet Mr. Pilates at the <laughs> at the gates of Valhalla. I've got some questions for him, and so that's that's now how I envision um, Joe Pilates. And I just feel like he did a little, like, he's, like, looking down going, bloody told you all. I told you all, all along, right? Freaking had to be the cage lion. No one listened to me. Do a push-up, Do a push-up. Hold on, hold on. Do a push-up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's there going, you know, I told you this. I mean, I recently read a letter that, that 
Joe Pilates wrote to um, uh, President Kennedy about saying that, you know, it was the it was the answer to all the ailments that America was currently facing. So um, yeah, well look, let's look at what does the evidence tell us, Ralph. Like, what are we talking here? There's a couple of really freaking cool papers um, that I'm really excited to go into, and uh, led by the incredible lead author Professor Jill Hayden. Hey, shout out to Jill Hayden, Professor Hayden. Um, I recently listened to her talk on uh, our mates, um, uh, Meekins and Greg Lehman's uh, podcast, the NAF Physio podcast, and she is cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really like so for all these incredible um, female professors who are just leading the way in, in their fields is really awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Do, you wanna, do you wanna have a talk about what papers we're, we're referencing, Raf? Well, the, the, the first one is um, from the Journal of Physiotherapy from, uh, they're both from 2021. Um, the first one's from General Physiotherapy. It's called Some Types of Exercise Are More Effective Than Others in People with Chronic Low Back Pain, a Network Meta-Analysis by Hayden et al. Um, and the other one uh, the other one is um, a Cochrane Review, and it's called Exercise Therapy for Chronic Low Back Pain, also by Hayden et al. 2021. Um, and so the, the, the uh, Cochrane Review... Mm-hmm. Uh, basically just looked at um, exercise for, you know, chronic low back pain compared to non-exercise intervention. So it just kind of like lumped every possible form of exercise together as just exercise and said mm-hmm. like, okay, overall, is it better to do exercise than to just do any other, you know, thing? And uh, they had, you know, 250 trials, um, you know, like some very large number of tens of thousands of participants um, in total, um, and they found, quote, moderate certainty evidence that exercise is effective for treatment of chronic low back pain compared to no treatment, usual care, or placebo. So in other words, it's more than just a placebo. It's better than, you know, take two aspirins and call me in the morning, um, and it's better than just ignoring and doing nothing. So Right. So, double, so a little bit of, yeah, so it's amazing. So a couple of, couple of things to note there. Um that's a huge review, like 200, I, I had 249, yeah, 249, yeah. 249. Yeah. Um, systematic database review is is absolutely huge. And when you listen to Professor Hayden talk about her research, um, she it was so interesting. She was like, it was hard to keep up with the yeah, amount yeah. of studies yeah. that were coming through. And basically, as they were putting together this review, it was like more studies were coming through. And I do believe, Raf, that this is the, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the review where basically the conclusion is like, hey, we know now, like exercise is better than non-exercising. We need to pivot the study to somewhere else. Like stop wasting research money. Like you're not going to (laughs) find Right? Yeah. Is that, let's yeah? let's stop let's stop researching whether exercise is better than not doing exercise because the answer is yes. yes. And let's let's ask a more useful question. Yes, and and with that, right? Amazing, huh? So I think 
and, I, and I'm sure all of our listenership would would know this. You know, we all know that whether it's us personally feel better when we when we you know we've got something to hurt, we exercise. We we know we've seen it in our clients. I mean, that's really a lot of what what we do as Pilates instructors, etc. Is we work with people who've got a sore back. Right. I mean, you, you can stand out the front of any Pilates class as an instructor and say, hey, anything I need to know body wise um, that might be happening for you today. And without fail, people are going to pop their hands up and say, yeah, my back's sore. Yeah. back. It's my dicky back. It's my bad back. It's my, you know, my back pain that's come and gone for the last 10 years. Right. Um, so it really is back pain, I think, uh, as a Pilates instructor is our bread and butter. So I don't think that... So I, I love that this has found that we that exercise is better than not exercising. I think, you know, if, if we're looking at well, what would be more helpful now in regards to that specific thing, I think we need to look at, well, how do we get people exercising that don't want to exercise? And also, how do we get people consistent with that? That's the million dollar I mean, question. Yeah, sure. That's the million dollar. Yeah. I mean, isn't it? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, let's like... I, to me, that's the hardest thing. I, it's the hardest thing in myself is being consistent with exercise, um, and it's definitely that that yeah. But anyway, so I thought that was that was really interesting. I guess that's a, a whole other topic, isn't it? Um, in regards to habits and all of that sort yeah, of thing. We could do an episode on behaviour change. That's a good. I one. would. Could we please do an episode on behaviour change? Because I think that that's so incredibly um, interesting and incredibly important and helpful. Um, so in well, that Chloe, study, Raph, is, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, with yeah. ten being the most important, how important uh-huh. is it to you that we do an episode on behaviour change? Well, it's it's a ten. Huh. Why did you? But pick I a, don't believe. Why did you pick a ten and not a lower number? <laughs> I don't know where, where am I? Where are you leading me into this? I feel like I'm feel like I'm walking into some sort of trap. Uh, anyway, let's get let's get back onto the topic. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing to me here, Raph? I'm being led. I'm being led. Um, yeah, it's important. So we will do we will do a fantastic episode mm. on that. So in that study, Raph, in is. Do we need to click more into that, or do we need to now well, talk about the other well, one? Well, I think you know the 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 one thing that I would like to just highlight here, which they highlight in the in the um, conclusions of the of the Cochrane review, is uh-huh. that it's it's very hard to do a low risk of bias trial in exercise because it's basically uh-huh. it's impossible to blind people as to whether you know like if one group gets exercise uh, the other group doesn't get exercise it's like yeah it's hard to convince people that you know they're not getting exercise when they are or they're not they are when they're not you know so totally with you as opposed to with placebo right so if it's a drug trial we can give drug, everyone the yeah. same exact looking tablet but some of them okay, have like this a drug is going to take your pain yeah, away yeah right, yeah right but yeah. but if 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 we give you know one group gets exercise and the other group gets like a waiting list you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And how do you, and uh, interesting too with these studies, and I mean, I haven't clicked, you know, done the the click into the specific studies. With the non-exercise group, are they, you know, they sort of said, hey, you're not even allowed to go for like 
a walk kind of situation or is it just more they can go about whatever they normally do yeah, they in just, their life? They, they just, just don't do. get like the specific gym program. Right. So the- it's not that, that they're specifically uh, measuring it against not exercising. What they're measuring it against is is the right. care that they're receiving. So it's like usual care, which is basically the GP, the, the medical doctor just says, you know, like, oh, you know, try and stay active as much as possible and yeah. um, get back to work as soon as possible and, you know, take some some paracetamol if you need pain relief. Like that's yeah. kind of the guideline-based care. So, yeah. you know, one group gets that, right. you know, for example, and the other group yeah. gets, you know, core strengthening or general strengthening or whatever it might be. Yeah, gotcha. Um, or, you know, uh, in the other um, trials, like sometimes they get a placebo, so they might get a placebo like pain medication or they might get uh-huh. like, you know, I don't know, sham ultrasound or you know, like mm-hmm. ultras- ultrasound with the machine turned off sort of thing, or, mm-hmm. you know. So like, but but it's very hard to give, you know, like in, in a drug trial, we would give, you know, half of the people the actual drug and half of the people a placebo, which they believe is the actual drug, right? Because we say, hey, here's the drug. Mm-hmm. It's the same color tablet. It's in the same packet. It, you know, we administer it the same way, have the same dosage. Everything's the same. The only thing is yeah. one group's got the actual pharmaceutical in the, in the tablet. The other one's just a sugar pill. Yes. Whereas yes. in exercise, if we're comparing, say, like core strengthening versus, uh, you know, something else, walking, say, well, it's still it's still very hard to blind because, like, ideally what you would do is if you would compare core strengthening against sham core strengthening, you know. So everyone mm-hmm. thinks they're getting core strengthening, but only half the people are getting actual core strengthening. You know, that would measure the actual effectiveness of core right. strengthening. And that would be so next to impossible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because then we'd have to yeah. go down the route of well, what exactly is core strengthening? Well how do you convince cool. someone that they're getting you... core strengthening when and... you're not give and then you know not giving them <laughs> core strengthening? You know? Um, yeah, it's like no planks for you, but yeah, we're, yeah like it's hey, like, this this bicep curl that's cool. that's strengthening your core. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, is. this is yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, probably you know, am I standing up to it? You know, <laughs> maybe it is. If, you, if you're standing up doing a unilateral bicep curl, it probably is exactly. working your obliques significantly. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, this is so interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. So, to know. Okay. so just wow. basically, like inherently, the the exercise literature, it's really hard to to mm. do it, a low risk of bias trial, even yeah. when the trials are designed very well, and then the people who are uh, um, um, measuring the results are blinded. You like so the person at the end yeah. comes in and asks them like, how much pain do you have, or whatever after the. Mm. those people are blinded as to which group the, the participants are in, but that mm. doesn't stop the, you know, the participants are not blinded mm. because it's not possible. And then th- thus expectation, you know, can play a significant role. Like say, for instance, people who expect course, you know, if we do like core strengthening versus, I don't know, stretching, say, mm. you know, people who expect core strengthening to help, who are in the core strengthening group will get a bigger effect, whereas people who mm-hmm. expect stretching to help who are in the stretching group will get a bigger effect. You know, so what we ideally would do would give both people core strengthening, but one of them's fake core strengthening, you know. So mm. that way they all get the expectation effect, but only half of them get, you know, whatever the true benefit of actual core strengthening is, you know, beyond mm. placebo. But it's basically impossible to, to run that trial. Mm. Gotcha. You know, and, okay. and not just for core strengthening, whether it's for, you yeah, know, Pilates yeah. or strengthening or stretching or whatever. It's, it's basically impossible to run that trial. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, cool. um, yeah, but but running more running more trials unblinded isn't going to give us more certainty of the results. Yeah. 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 Um, 
yeah, so so the the next trial, which is the one that I think is is more interesting, is uh, called some types of exercise are more effective than others in people with chronic low back pain. A network meta analysis, Hayden et al. twenty twenty one Journal of Physiotherapy, um, and. What they looked at was, um, this was a massive network meta-analysis. They included um, the same data set, so it's 249 randomized clinical trials, mm-hmm. um, same data set as the Cochrane Review, um, which wow. adds like 20,900 participants, a very, very big um, wow. data, data set. Um, and they looked at 11 uh, different types of exercise intervention. So they looked at um, core strengthening slash motor control, um, mixed exercise. It's like basically had, you know, multiple different types of exercise in the one intervention. So that would be like programs that did like a combination of stretching plus strengthening, for example. Uh, yeah. Then general strengthening, aerobic exercise, Pilates, stretching, yoga, functional rec- restoration, McKenzie therapy, and other specific exercises. So um, they compared it to, you know, a whole bunch of different things like placebo, no treatment, usual care, education, manual therapy, back school, electrotherapy, physiotherapy, psycho- psychotherapy, anti-inflammatory drugs, relaxation. So they, they compared each of those exercise types to, or not each of them, but they compared the exercise types to one or more of those comparators, you know, placebo, education, manual therapy. Um, and a lot of the trials actually compared one form of exercise to another form of exercise. And so right. what they were trying to figure out in this network meta-analysis was um, for the outcomes of pain intensity and, and function, like, you know, limitations on activities, um, you know, were, were, were some types of exercise more effective than other types? And uh, what they found was, yes, they were. I felt like there should have been a sound there that you played, Ralph. Uh, what, what, sound, what sound do you think? The clapping. clapping. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or I think it needed to be like a ooh or yeah. a ooh. Really <laughs> that sounded more like a ghost. Yeah. Sounded more like a ghost. Ooh, but like a yeah, I maybe more the um yeah, the wow wow emoji. Yeah. I don't I don't ooh. have the wow emoji. I'll have to get it's that one a, for next next it's time. It's a whew, this is gonna be interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's let's talk about it. So, um, well, coming but, in. Oh, can I just ask what McKenzie's is first? Uh, McKenzie is basically uh, some people would uh, know it as directional preference. Um, oh, it's that one. Okay. Um, uh, some people would know it as uh, mechanical diagnosis and treatment. Um, basically, you know, some people would just know it as like doing a lot of back extensions. Yes, that's um, what I now I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, the back it, yeah, it was made up by a, a New Zealand-based physiotherapist called Robin McKenzie, um, and it's you know there's there's volumes and volumes of textbooks on it. It's not just for the back; they do it for the elbow, for the shoulder, for the knee, for the hip, for the, all the all the joints. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's basically around directional preference, and so basically mm-hmm. when somebody has a direction of movement that is less painful or alleviates their, their symptoms yes. and then another direction that is more painful. Basically they do, you know, repeated movements in the less painful direction. Yes. Um, and, uh, then, you know, uh, you know, the idea is that over time that, uh, you know, that improves, you know, whatever's causing this, the symptoms. Right. So, so in the case of, in the case of the low back, which is what we're talking about uh, today in this whole, um, this, these two big research papers are all about chronic low back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, you know, you would, to do a McKenzie uh, treatment, you would basically 
uh, you know, do repeated forward bends, repeated back mm-hmm. bends, repeated side bends. And you would then, you know, after each set, you would do, you know, like you know, 10 or 15 or 20 forward bends and mm-hmm. then, you know, wait 30 seconds and say, okay, is your symptom better, worse or same? Right. And, and did it, did it centralize or peripheralize? So basically if you had pain down your leg, you yeah. know, sciatica, like after you do your 10, uh, you know, forward bends, has your pain moved up the leg? You know, so your pain is now not going as far down the leg. Well, that yeah. would be that would that's called centralization. The pain's moving towards the the center of the body, um, and yeah. that's that's considered a good prognostic sign. You know, so in other words, it, that predicts a good outcome. So we yeah. basically, if you did forward bends and the pain peripheralized, you know, went further down the leg, we would say, okay, that's that's not a good sign. We don't want to do more forward bends. And then if you did back bends and the pain centralized, you know, went you know moved up your leg into your butt or yeah. out of your butt into your back or whatever. Yeah. Then we would say, okay, that's good. We're going to, your, your exercise program is going to be like do 10 back bends three times a day, you know, gotcha. for example, you know, I'm super simplifying here, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that, that's the basic gist. So it's, it's not just back bending, but it's basically find the yeah. direction of that alleviates the symptoms or, or mm. specifically this, the direction that centralizes the symptoms mm. and mm. then do repeated, you know, do sets of repeated movements mm. in that direction multiple times a day. And, you know, seven times mm. out of 10, I think for low back pain, that's going to be more back bending rather than forward bending. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So that's the basic gist of McKenzie. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I can see, and I mean, I've been given that before the, the back bending, and uh, for me, I liked it because it gave me – I mean, I didn't overthink into what was going on mechanically or whatever, right? But it was – I liked it because it gave me a sense of um, autonomy. It's like something I could do. Okay, well, this is hurting. I can do this. This is giving me some symptom modification. It's something I can do for myself. It doesn't have to be done to me. Kind of yeah. – I can see how that um, would be um, a positive when we're talking about, you know, moving – you know, helping, helping, uh, you know, human beings have more self or autonomy, et cetera, self-efficacy when, when something hurts. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that, I'm sure that's wrapped up in it. Yeah. And, and there is actual, it is, uh, there is evidence, um, that centralization. So if you do basically, you do repeated movements and, and, and it centralizes your pain, um, yeah. you know, the pain goes up the leg or up the butt or into the back, basically. Um, mm. That is a good prognostic sign. Like basically people mm. who have that early in rehab are more likely to have a better outcome later on. Um, mm. But it, it's, there's, it hasn't been shown that doing repeated exercises, you know, repeatedly to, um, mm. you know, to centralize things repeatedly, it hasn't been shown that there's a cause and effect so yeah. it might just be that people who who happen to be going to get better anyway, yeah, like right. one of the features of those people is they, their pain centralizes easily. Yeah. Right. Do, you, do you know what's interesting though, Ruff, because I I know that because I've learned that from you and, you know, um, the other, you know, wherever else I, I, I you know, get my, get my, get my info from. But knowing that is all, almost sometimes not a good thing for me because when I've had pain before and then I can't get it to centralize, I'm like, Fuck! <laughs> it's not. Cent- I'm like this is not a good prognostic diagnosis. Oh shit! You know. Um, so I've had to sort of, yeah. It's it, it's it's been really interesting um, in regards to that. And I, I'm always happy when the pain shifts kind of out of my out of my hip or my butt and goes up in more into my central back and central in my back. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's yeah. great. Yay! Yeah. Centralizing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> really hurts, but it's centralizing. I'm stoked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so it's a good indicator when it does that. But it's we don't know that you know 
doing the exercises to make it do mm. that actually has any long-term effect. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Okay. And, and actually, yeah. they, 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 that's you know, one of the things they looked at in this uh, network meta analysis was McKenzie exercise. And this is all for mm. chronic low back pain and all for interventions that lasted 12 weeks or more. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I guess they call it like medium term, you know, effect. Mm. Okay. Well, Raph, hit us with the findings. Well, coming in at uh, third place. Uh, so, def- so what they, you know, they confirmed that all exercise, any exercise is better than no exercise. Uh-huh. Um, um, and so, you know, doing anything is definitely better than doing nothing. But um, coming in at third place uh, with, um, oh, and so, so sorry, what they, uh, what they also, I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute, but basically we need to think about something called the minimum clinically important difference. Um, yes. But so, yeah, coming in at third place, we had uh, functional restoration. So I'm a little bit hazy on this, what this was, because I don't really go into a lot of detail on it. Functional in, restoration. In the network meta-analysis, but I'm just going to guess that it is, you know, about basically focusing on valued activities and doing the, you know, uh, like if if you can't get your shopping out of the car, rehab might consist of practicing getting your shopping out of the car, you know. Right, um, right, right, right. You know, yeah. maybe changing the way that you bend or, or whatever so that mm-hmm. you can do that those activities, you know, with less pain and more mm-hmm. ability. You know, I'm, I'm just guessing, you know, based mm-hmm. on based on the name of the, the treatment. Mm-hmm. So they found that uh, that was, that was uh, better than most other forms of exercise. Um, and uh, for... Um, Guess what? For functional outcomes. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and coming in at number two was uh, McKenzie therapy. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and uh, for both pain and functional outcomes. And then coming in at number one, was drum roll, drum roll, wait, wait, drum roll. I don't have a drum roll, I've got this. That'll do. <laughs> uh, coming at number one. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> was Pilates. Wow, we are. There you go. Holy schmoly. Yeah. Um, so the so they've they found that the the the, the average difference, so they basically put everything on a 1 to 100 scale. So basically pain on a you know, 1 to 100, so with 10, 100 being the worst pain imaginable, 1 being no pain at all. Oh. Um, and and uh, they did the same with functional outcomes. So, you know, 100 being you can totally do all of your normal activities with no limitations and, you know, 1 being you're you know, bedridden and unable to do any activity at all. Right. Um, and so they defined what's called uh, the minimum clinically important difference. So this is basically the, the smallest difference that a patient would notice and consider meaningful. You know, like if you went and did, say, 12 weeks of Pilates for your low back pain and your low back pain went from a 5 out of 10 to a 4.99 out of 10, you'd probably consider that a, not a meaningful difference. Right, you know, yes. <laughs> um, It's yeah. like... Um, you know, is is that worth the the effort and the you know? In fact, it would be the difference would be so small you wouldn't even be able to detect it, right? Yeah. 
Um, so generally, um, minimum clinically important difference is, is about, you know, 15 out of a hundred or 1.5 out of 10. So okay. it's like, you know, the, the average level of pain for these people, uh, at the start of the trials were five out of 10. Um, and so they defined a minimum clinically important difference as, you know, um, 1.5 out of 10 or 15 out of a hundred. So basically, mm-hmm. um, if they, if it went down by 15 or more, that was like a 30%, that's a 30% reduction, you know, from, from 50 out of a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 30% reduction in pain. So basically what they found was, uh, Pilates had a, uh, average difference of something like, uh, Compared with no treatment, Pilates was like 18 points out of 100. But compared with um, other effective treatments, Pilates was 11.2 points better, right? So it, it's significantly, it's, be, it's more than the minimum clinically important difference. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually more than any of the other treatments. Right. Yeah. So, so, wow. it's, so it, it's statistically significant. And it's also clinically significant. You know, the, the clients right, would, no, okay, would notice you. the difference and consider it worthwhile. Wow. Yeah. All right, hey. Is this, yeah. Does this challenge some of your – I mean, we're going to talk We're going to talk a little more in depth, but, I mean, this definitely challenged my bias. I mean, anecdotally, <laughs> Pilates has been – historically great for my back pain, uh-huh. et cetera, right? But I all, you know, and for a lot of my clients too. But I always, no, well, not always, but of, you know, however many years now that I've learned, you know, more about things, um, have always thought that it was just because it's a form of exercise that I and my clients enjoy doing, right? We're doing it. Um, it's giving us some self-efficacy in our own body, et cetera, et cetera, you know, probably getting us a bit stronger, more range of movement and so on and so forth. Um, not specifically because it is Pilates. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Did this blow your mind a bit too, this study? It, it certainly does challenge my biases, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I, you know, it's, Mm. It's, it's, I mean, when I, because to be perfectly honest, Ralph, when I first saw this study sort of being um, touted about, you know, on, on Instagram and, and whatnot, this, and I hadn't really looked into it in depth or listened to um, Professor Hayden talking about it, uh, I, I, to be honest, I poo-pooed it. Uh-huh. I poo-pooed it. I went, I went, oh, okay, there's something not right there. That's obviously biased or something. There's no way. I know that sounds, you know, Interesting, considering you know I'm I'm a Pilates instructor and all of that, but I just thought there's no way it could be specifically Pilates. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, but I th- now I'm there's, like, there's oh. there's a moderate degree of certainty in the results, which means that they're you know they're moderately certain that they measured things. You know, not that they measured things correctly, but that those measurements are indicative of a real difference. You know, so. Um, mm that the trials were conducted well and, um, mm. you know, so forth. So, you know, that, that, that means that this may change, you know, with future research, you know, so mm. in 10 years when more studies have come out, we might find like, oh yeah, actually, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the case, but it, it's mm. more, you know, it's, it's moderately likely that it won't change. Mm. Right. So it's, it's not, it's not like a hundred percent certain and it, but it's not like really tentative either. It's, you know, moderate certainty. 
um, which is mm. kind of like a three out of five, um, right. as they put it. Um, but the thing that uh, so so there are a couple of things though that sort of in the in the fine print or the nuance. So mm. the first thing is like with the functional uh, restoration and the McKenzie therapy, um, when they are, um, you know allowed for basically other therapy. So basically when somebody would do a, a, an intervention, it would be like McKenzie plus education versus something else, right? Or McKenzie mm-hmm. plus, um, I don't know, stretching, you know, versus something else or McKenzie plus walking versus something else. So what they found was like th- when you took out the, the education or the stretching or the walking, like McKenzie didn't seem to be better than other treatments. So it's basically McKenzie combined with things <laughs> seems to be helpful. But when you did McKenzie, you know, when you took away the effect of the other thing, it didn't seem to, uh, you know, like that, that effect basically disappeared. <laughs> right. Um, and that was the same wow. fun- functional restoration, <laughs> but, but it wasn't the case for Pilates. So Pilates, mm-hmm. uh, you know, same, you know, was the one uh, form of exercise that they looked at in this review that, uh, the the effect remained and was fairly robust, regardless of what they compared it against, or regardless of what else was you know was included in the trial where they looked at it. All right, hey, yeah, um, wow. I mean, we're going to talk a bit more about also then, you know, the whys that could be the case, but yeah, it's it's this is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, well, uh, so I th- and then I think well to me though the the really really big. Uh, you know, the nuance to this, the the big mm-hmm. caveat on this is mm-hmm. that, um, and I'm just going to actually read from the paper here. Um, mm-hmm. It quote: It should also be noted that the interventions that appeared to be the most effective were also interventions that are costly to l- deliver for patients. Mm-hmm. It's possible mm-hmm. that our results were conflated with other factors related to higher socioeconomic status mm-hmm. in these patient groups, e.g., physical labour other healthcare access and health status. So in other words, end quote. So in other words, the people who volunteer to do Pilates in a clinical trial are the sort of people who like Pilates Mm -hmm. and the sort of people who like Pilates tend to be higher socioeconomic status, better educated, more health literacy. They tend to do other healthy behaviors like eating well, managing their stress, not smoking, et cetera. So Mm. it's hard to tease out, you know, how much, how much is this result, you know, because of something in Pilates or, and how much mm. is it because of something in the people who do Pilates? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it just got me thinking too, Raf. It's so, I mean, you and I both know there's so many different forms of Pilates like there's so many different ways of teaching Pilates as well like uh, I mean I'd be curious to know also what exactly you know what what was the Pilates they were doing how do they define Pilates in those interventions how do they define Pilates yeah like was it was it you know I you know was it really slow and um, micromanaged or, you know, and about alignment and about activation and about all of those things? Or was it like, hey, let's go, let's do a, you know, a, a, a rolling contrology, you know, flow? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's I, I've, I've been reflecting on that as well. Um because often when I hear Pilates poo-pooed, 
um, in the the pain science realm, you know. So when I hear the likes of um, Meeks, et cetera, going, oh, fucking Pilates. <laughs> I wish I had said that before. <laughs> you wouldn't say it about my class, but I'm pretty sure he has said that sort of thing before because what they're, my understanding of what they're thinking Pilates is and why they are thinking are ugh, is because they're thinking of it as like the 90s, 2000s, micromanaged core activation, alignment protocol, slow movements, low load, right? Um, I don't know. There's so much. There's a lot of nuance in this, don't you think? So, yeah. So I'm just looking through the Cochrane review now. And um, so this is like the primary um, source of of some of those studies. Um, and so there's quite a, there's quite a diversity there, um, in the Pilates studies in the Cochrane review, they're actually like, I think 27, uh, Pilates studies. And, mm-hmm. um, so it was, um, yeah, some of them were like equipment plus mat Pilates. Some of them were okay. called clinical Pilates. Mm-hmm. Some of them were just called Pilates. Um, okay. uh, yeah, so there were like there was quite a diversity, and like I know, uh, I, I'm not familiar with, familiar with any of the particular trials in this Cochrane review, but I, I'm aware of several trials of Pilates for low back pain, and I know mm. some of the authors of some of them that are, um, you know, they're basically physiotherapists who have done, mm-hmm. uh, they're basically doing directional preference or something very similar to McKenzie therapy mm. you know, on Pilates equipment. So, mm, gotcha. you know, and, and and at the other end of the spectrum, there's people doing, you know traditional classical Pilates or Contrology or, you know, contemporary Pilates in the middle somewhere there. So, mm. yeah, there's quite a diversity mm. of okay. things that under, fall under the label of Pilates. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Mm, interesting. But some of the things that would be similar would be, I mean, if they're in a Pilates class, they're getting some, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's a small group or whether, but they, they're, getting a, they're getting that attention mm. uh they're getting that um care they're getting that it, what do you think those those factors are probably playing in here are you uh, playing well here? i think you know in a well can you know again like i said i haven't read any of the original studies yeah. in this uh, review but um in any well-conducted exercise trial, they will control for those things like, you know, the, the amount of therapist interaction and, right. you know, the amount of social. So, you know, so for example, I'm just kind of making this up, but a, yeah. a well-conducted trial, they might have sort of one group of people doing Pilates and they might do, you know, an initial one-to-one assessment with a Pilates instructor followed by, yeah. you know, 12 weekly small group sessions, right, for an yeah. hour. And then they might yeah. have the other group doing, say, stretching. Right, mm. and they would do an initial one-to-one assessment with a fitness trainer, you know, followed by twelve weekly mm. small group sessions. So the, basically, the, the the time and the attention of the practitioner is equalised, and gotcha. the only difference is which intervention you receive. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And interestingly, stretching stretching did not come out anywhere on no. top. Stretching came out at the bottom. Yeah, at the absolute bottom. Which um, can you read what it said about stretching, Ralph? Uh, We'll Something like what well, basically was, I mean, the bottom line was just like, if you give someone stretching as their, their, their rehab um, or their treatment for low back pain, it's a waste of everyone's time. Um, <laughs> Is that about right? Um, that up about right? Don't just give stretching. 
Do stretching if stretching feels good. Uh, so, I'm not, I'm so basically, not, you know, what they found was just yeah, stretching is more effective than you know not doing anything. Was um, it? Yeah. Um, uh, was it? Yeah. When I thought I read that stretching was like you may as well do nothing. Um. I must have read that wrong. Let me have a yeah. I'm I'm just just I'm just scrolling through here looking. Or maybe at, it's my bias, Raf, because we all know I don't stretching. like stretching. So stretching. <laughs> Stretching's probably my least. No, stretching was better than control. Um, okay. So stretching had a mean difference of something around you know five to six out of a hundred, five to six points out of a hundred. Um, you know, better than doing nothing. Um, or better than, you know, whatever the control condition was, you know, um, mm-hmm. care as usual. So five or six points out of 100. So it's, it's better than nothing, but it's, it doesn't meet the minimum clinically important difference of 15. So it's like, right. you know, after your 12 weeks of stretching, you know, on average, like you've got surveyed a, a thousand participants, on average, they would have, they would be five out of 100 or, you know, 0. 0.5 out of 10, you know, better on a, on a, on a pain scale. But that each individual person, that that difference is too small to notice. Whereas Pilates, the difference was something gotcha. like you know, eighteen or seventeen out of twenty, out of a hundred. Sorry, so you gotcha. know one point one point seven or one point eight points yeah. out of ten. Yeah. So yeah, so stretching is better than a poke in the eye with a blunt stick, but <laughs> but you know it's certainly not the first line you know, treatment that yeah. you want to try. Yeah. And um, I think it's it's worthwhile stating too that, you know, this is this is also not saying that Pilates is curing your pain. I mean it's it's helping it's helping, but it's the I mean it's it's like however many points, right? Out of a hundred, you still right. it's about a it's about a thirty or you know, thirty to forty point percent decrease in pain. Right. Over three months. Right. Which is, you know, Nothing, you know, nothing to be, you know, ashamed oh, yeah. of. Like it's a, that's a great. Res- it's the best, the best we got. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, anyone who's been in pain will know that any reduction in in pain is is welcome. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm going to, you know, all the other amazing things that would come along with actually participating in the class and yeah. doing the exercise. So you've got... Well, it does have some, got, some side effects like better mental health. Right. Um, increased strength, flexibility, yeah, balance. community, <laughs> you know, all of those, all of those wonderful things as well. So there's there's so much other awesome stuff in there. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I would love, I've actually found, Ralph, uh, I think this would tie in well with this episode, um, a copy of the letter that... Joseph Pilates sent President F. Kennedy, President uh-huh. John F. Kennedy. I would really love to read it out if, sure. if my eyes are good enough to read it. So um, this was shared uh, by Jonathan Grubb. So shout out to um, Jonathan. He's doing really cool stuff in the realm of um, Pilates history. Um, he does a lot of uh digging into into the history, uh, uh, you know, um, which is really cool. And he, you can follow him on Facebook. He's got a Facebook page. I'm pretty sure it's just called Jonathan Grubb. And um, Grubb is G-R-U-B-B. 
and he shares some fantastic old like snippets of things that Joseph has written or advertisements. Um, he's done things like uh, I think he's interviewed one of Joseph Pilates' nieces, all of those sorts of things. So if you're a bit of a Pilates history nerd, which I dare say the majority of our listeners will be, um, you'll get a real kick out of that. So this letter was actually referenced by Jenna Zafino in our episode, Raph, when we spoke to Jenna. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, and we couldn't actually locate the letter at the time, um, I do believe. So I was pretty stoked when this came up in my newsfeed by Jonathan. Now, it is quite hard to read um, as it is a sort of a photocopy of or whatever it is of, of the letter. So here we go. Um, so this is Joseph, It's and it's signed by Joe as well. It's signed by Joe Pilates. Um, so it's got Joseph H. Pilates, 939 8th Avenue, New York, which is super cool. And the date is September the 6th, 1963. It is um, – <laughs> President John F. Kennedy, um, and it's addressed to him. It says, Dear President Kennedy, there is a great deal said about um, decadence and decline in America, paralleling the decline of the Roman Empire. However, they do not say what will save America. And then the, this next sentence is in um, bold and it's right in the, and in capitals and it's right typed right in the centre of the letter. Contrology is what will save America. Huh. For the sake of America, I urge you to investigate, and again in capital letters, Contrology. Sincerely yours, Joseph H. Pilates, signed. How's that? Huh. Well, I, don't, I can't see why it didn't convince President Kennedy. <laughs> Pretty fantastic, and I love that he's like he's referencing the the decline of the Roman Empire. Um, however, they do not say what will save America. Mm. Contrology is what will save America. Well, far out. Hey, talk about you know what you got to give you got to give Joseph props for belief in 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 his work and what he was doing. Hey, Raf, and the the belief in. I think you know there's so many things that. I don't agree with with Joseph Pilates and that mainly comes down to like some of his more creepy type escapades that mm. I <laughs> read about. But what I really do have to give him major props about is he really deeply believed in the benefits of exercise yeah. Yeah. and the flow on effect that that had in every aspect of a human being's life, yeah. right? And I do think that was really, to me, that seems quite revolutionary yeah. and way ahead of his time. Um, I, I'm sure you would agree with that, right? Yeah, like, and, and, and he was so vehement about it that it was just like, you know, I mean, he's writing there to the president mm. to say, hey, I've got the answer, mate. I've got the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, here. I'd like, I would have liked to give him a few pointers on persuasive writing, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, ballsy, right? Let's just write into <laughs> let's just write into the to the president and say what's going to save the entire American race. Uh, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. So um, I just that's what I was saying at the start of this episode. I feel like these sort of studies. Can you imagine? You know, Joseph. From what I can tell, from um, 
cage lion, etc. Let me do a push up. Thanks, Raph. It's like a tiny habit, right? Okay. Every time you hear the word cage lion, yeah. go do a push up. Yep. Mm-hmm. BJ Fogarty would be, uh, okay. would be Fog would be happy about this. Um, so yeah, I think he'd be going out bloody well. Told you all. Yeah. I told you all, and you wouldn't listen. Mm. You wouldn't listen, and here it is. Mm. So yeah. So uh, what do you think? So how do we? So what? What is the conclusion here? Well, because you could really run with this. You could yeah. really run with if you bias was well. <laughs> Pilates is the answer to saving human race. Well, um, you, you could kind of grab this study and run with it and go, hey, here we go. This is what we've been saying all along. Well, every but time. But we've got uh, to make sure we, we pop some nuance in there, right? Yeah. Well, every time I interact with Meekins from now on, I'm going to bring this up. Um, Hey, hey, I tagged, I tagged Meeks and Layman in this and, and said, hey, looking forward to seeing both of you in my Pilates class soon. Funnily enough, neither of you two, if you're listening to this, which you're probably not, but neither of you two reshared that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I challenge your bias a bit, lads? Um, <laughs> I would gladly have Meeks or Layman in one of my classes and I, I promise them both that I can give them a freaking good challenge. And you can, you can um, fix their And backbone. challenge their bias yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and back um, yeah, so, all right. So in all seriousness, apart from joshing, uh, you know, Adam Meekins and Greg Lehman. Um, <laughs> who, we, who we love, we, you know, who are fantastic friends of yeah. ours and, and of Pilates Elephants. Um, so, how, you know, how, how can we operationalise this? How can we interpret this? Yeah. I think, well, I guess, you know, f- it's up to each of us to, you know, to, to, to think and contemplate and come to our own mm. conclusions. But for me, um, I, I think, uh, well, I'm still not convinced that there's, you know, some magic about Pilates that's better than any other form of exercise, just because of that kind of conflation of like, we can't, you know, just the very nature of it, of, of research It's like, we can't pick out or tease out. Um, the effects of the actual exercise versus mm-hmm. the effects of the type of people who like to do Pilates, you know, who tend to be high socioeconomic status and thus mm-hmm. have m- many other you know, social and behavioral factors that tend to improve low back pain outcomes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we, you know, that you know, massive sort of caveat, you know, um, aside, we can, you know, be very confident that Pilates is at least as good as any other form of exercise and possibly better, especially like for the people who are attracted to Pilates, it's unequivocally better. That's, I mean, that's what this, that's what this research shows is that the sort of person Mm. who likes to do Pilates Mm. is going to get better results with Pilates than Mm. they are within, with, than, than other people are going to get with other things. Right. Mm. So I think we, we can, hang out our shingle and proclaim, you know, truthfully that, you know, if you come see me for Pilates, you're getting the best, you're being, getting the best care available. Mm. Yeah. I, wow. I absolutely love that. Um, also, I just want to loop back um, just for anyone that's listening. If you are trying to find Jonathan Grubb's page, because um, I know you will want to because it's so interesting. His page on Facebook, so this is not Instagram, this is Facebook, is actually called Joseph's Legacy Pilates 100. Joseph's Legacy Pilates 100. So that's the page um, to go to for all the cool 
Mm. All the cool Joe Pilates history. I think it's called Pilates 100 Plus. I'll link to it in the show oh, notes anyway. Oh, is that a plus, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, gotcha. I'll, I'll so, link, to it, link to it in the show notes. Oh, Joseph's Legacy Pilates 100 Plus. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I'm so glad we talked about these papers and yeah. um, it's really interesting and I and I highly suggest everyone has has a look at them. And, yeah, great chat. Yeah. Good talk, Chloe. Thanks, Raph. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.